The Gulf by Joe Jarvis. Read by me, the author. Episode 3. Last Ditch Effort. You spent $30,000 on those rare fish for your aquarium last month, I exclaim. Don't drag my fish into this. They're innocent, my dad retorts. Besides, they actually have the chance of paying me back when they start popping out $5,000 babies. He doesn't even care. You probably have $50,000 lost in the sofa. I notice how strange this idiom is as soon as it comes out of my mouth. Cash and coins hardly exist anymore. No one loses money in the sofa. Dollar is just a unit of measurement, not one specific currency. But I'm too angry to consider where exactly I pulled the reference from. You won't keep your kid out of prison? I continue. It's the principle, my dad says. He's not yelling. He never yells. Dad, if you just pay 40 of the 70,000, they'll let me work the rest off without confinement. He's shaking his head slightly and making that tucked-in lip face, the one people make when they pass a stranger on the street. I'll pay you back, I try, exasperated. Nothing. Don't you have insurance to cover things like this? We self-insure for things like this. So imagine me as your insurance agent. I deny your claim for violating the terms of the agreement, my dad says. Remember how I told you that you should look into buying defense insurance for yourself? Maybe you could have got the renegade plan or something, and they would cover things like this. I don't know. He's not budging. He's not even showing any emotion. That's what's so frustrating. If he was pissed off, I could work with it. Emotional responses cool down and things change. But my dad's decision isn't going to change. He's not upset. There's nothing to cool down. He just made a logical decision. I'm nothing like him. I'm going to prison. And you could stop it without even noticing. You know this affects my business, Deej. Who knows how much you cost us by insulting Francesco. He's a big buyer. Are you hearing me? Prison! I pronounce the word with emphasis, but I'm not quite yelling. And all you care about is your business? Oh, stop being so dramatic, my dad says, breaking eye contact. He takes a sip of his drink. Dramatic? I repeat indignantly. Do you know what happens in prison? Yeah, you learn some discipline, he responds. No, I say, shaking my head. You get raped. Is that what you want, for me to get raped? Rodigio, this isn't 2000. Statistically, you're more likely to get raped at those clubs you frequent. Well, it's still two years on an island with all men, I shoot back. Don't be surprised when your son comes home hanging off the bicep of Buff Jimmy, the reformed pirate. We should be so lucky, my dad scoffs. A stern man is what you needed in your life all along. I blame myself. But anyway, there's actually an island for female confines, and you all get to meet up twice a week. Haven't you even checked out the website? I turn to my mom. Is that what you want? I say, slow and serious. For me to come home with a bold dyke looking prison bitch named Ricky. Oh, you have such an imagination, she says. You're such a natural storyteller with your creative names and flair for drama. You should spend your extra time on the island writing stories. Or maybe work on your acting. You were always so good in those plays. You loved them. She's serious, too. Not even trolling. She will always side with my dad. He convinced her a few years ago that she was an enabler of my irresponsible behavior. This is just how she tries to stay positive. My mom forces a smile. Maybe it will be like camp. She sort of laughs and shrugs. I put my face in my hands, realizing that my parents are about to abandon me to a prison island. I can't believe you two are doing this to me, I whimper. We aren't doing this to you, Deej, my dad says with candor. We just aren't bailing you out this time. It's two years, less if you actually learn to do something people want to pay for. My mom is shaking her head in agreement, looking between my dad and me. 
It will be good for you, sweetie. Don't you want to learn a meaningful skill? Go out on your own at some point? Then she adds quickly, Not that you're not always welcome here. My heart is beating faster. It's sinking in that I'm about to go to a prison camp for two years. And that means missing New Year's Eve in Barracuda. That means being separated from Marjorie. Why do you both hate me? If it was Raji, you would pay it. I'm desperate and lashing out. You know what, my dad says? Your attitude just proves all the more that it's high time you take a little responsibility for your actions. Who buys a glass ball that costs more than I make in a year? And I didn't know his stupid statue would break. Exactly, you didn't know. But that didn't stop you from doing something impulsive and destructive. I was drunk, I shout indignantly. That's not an excuse, he says, still infuriatingly calm. And that's the other reason this will be good for you, my mom adds. They don't allow alcohol on the island, and I think it would do you some good to stay sober for a while. Clear your head. You better get packing, my dad says. I'm back in my room. I still cannot accept it. I have one more thing I could try. I can ask Dean, but I don't want to. And yet, I make the call anyway. I can't even believe you're asking me this, Rodigio. Dude, I'll pay you back with interest. I know you have the money. Dij, it's not like all my money is just sitting in a wallet somewhere. I do things with it. It's invested all over, diversified. To give you that money would be an opportunity cost. What? If I give you that money, it means I can't do something else with it. So you care more about making money than you do about your friend? You know where the last 35 grand I threw down went? To a startup bringing rule of law to parts of the world that still have oppressive governments. That's just the last 35. I know you put at least that much in the virtual reality porn company. <laughs> I remember you being pretty excited about Cybernut at the time. But it still doesn't matter, Deej, because even Cybernut deserves the money more than you do. And I deserve to put my money in places that I want and make money back for my risk. What do I get risking that on you? Because please don't try to tell me it's not a risk. I just thought maybe you wouldn't want to see your friend in prison for two years. But I guess you think that's what I deserve. He says, Deej, I love you like a brother, but yes, you deserve to be held accountable for your actions. Me bailing you out wouldn't help you in the long run. <sighs> now you sound like my dad. Well, your dad's a smart guy, Deej. Maybe it's time you start listening to his advice. I mean, you keep saying two years, two years. Have you even considered the fact that you could make that much money in two months if you really wanted to? Maybe you could. I'm glad this conversation went this way. I'm now convinced that this will be good for you. We hang up. I'm alone in my room. I walk out on my balcony overlooking the pool and tiers of grass that lead down to the white sandy beach gently sloping into the ocean between large stone jetties. It's dark, but most of the palm trees and tropical ground cover are illuminated from hidden lights in the lava rock mulch. I've lived here all my life, so accessible, always available just outside my back door, and suddenly I'm a visitor, just here for the night. So I might as well take advantage of it. I walk down to stroll through the pristine grounds. I want to see Marjorie, but I'm not sure what to say. That's what's kept me from messaging her. That and the stomach-churning reality that I'm going to prison. A message comes in. It's from Marjorie. Can I come over? Her drone lands about five minutes later. She walks down to the backyard garden and sits down next to me without saying a word. We look at each other and force a smile. And for a few minutes, we just sit listening to the waves roll off the platform. I sigh. Well, apparently this place doesn't have any alcohol, so... Want a beer? God, yes. We grab a couple of beers from the outdoor kitchen and sit at the tiki bar. I have to say, your platform is way nicer than mine, Marjorie says. Well, you're closer to the center, and you get to stay. 
What are you going to do? She asks. What can I do? I mean to earn the money. I guess I'll keep working my bug catching job. Maybe if I put enough hours in, I can cut it down to a year and a half. She looks down. That's a long time. Silence. Faint lapping of the ocean. Distant wind chimes? I understand if you just want to forget about me and move on, I blurt out. I mean, we just met anyway. I don't expect you to... I trail off. Marjorie takes a long swig of her beer. We did just meet. Which is why this is so weird. Because I'm not just going to ditch you. Look, it's not your fault that I broke the statue. I don't want you to feel attached to me out of guilt. It's not guilt. Definitely not guilt. It's... Well, I don't know what it is. It's you. You're different. I don't know how yet, but I know a good thing when I see it. Now we're staring into each other's eyes, and it's probably the only thing at this moment that can make me feel better. She's right. There is something else going on here. I just hope the separation won't ruin it. We kiss across the bar. It feels so good just to enjoy each other's company for a minute or two, sipping our beers. Then I remember the burning question on my mind when I'm not distracted by my impending incarceration. So what's the deal with your job? You worked for Elijah Braz? I ask. Well, yeah, sort of, but I barely knew him. Ben Rupert, his head of staff, is, well, was, my boss, Marjorie sighs. But they already revoked all my permissions and sent an official severance notice. Looks like I'm a free agent. What did you do for him? Mostly data gathering. You mean, like, marketing data for one of his businesses? More like, Marjorie says slowly, formulating the right way to explain it, data gathering of a more personal nature. She only goes on after laughing at my blank expression. Sometimes it's just digging into personal character, other times it's confirming where someone lives or stimping out conflicts of interest. You're a spy? I exclaim, only half-joking. Well, I guess you could say it like that. Intelligence gathering, she winks. Suddenly an image of Marjorie seducing a business contact to get some confidential pillow talk pops into my head. She seems to see the gears turning. It's really not as exciting as it sounds, she assures me. Usually it's pretty boring grunt work. The paid travel is nice. Well, at least it was. Swig. Do you have other clients? Yeah, but that was by far my largest chunk of income. I'm going to need to find something to replace it. All my other stuff is more routine digging. I can do most of it online. Another silence. It's a wave of reality that keeps washing over me. Anxiety about my fate tomorrow. I know Marjorie can feel it too every time it hits. So when do you have to go? Marjorie asks. They pick me up at nine tomorrow morning. She gives a sympathetic smile. Any plans till then? I manage a laugh. If you want to keep me up all night, I don't mind arriving to prison a little groggy. Who do I have to impress anyway? We spend the night laying in the grass, looking up at the stars, midnight skinny dipping and pre-dawn moonbathing. Marjorie and I fall asleep in each other's arms, curled up on a large, plush piece of patio furniture as the sun breaks over the horizon. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Gulf by Joe Jarvis. Since reading and listening to The Gulf will always be free, the best way to support me is by sharing with your friends and joining my email list at joejarvis.me. You'll get each episode early, plus extras. You can also follow me on Instagram or Facebook, at joejarvisme. You can find all this on my website, again, joejarvis.me. Thanks for listening.